0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor. This is
1: Bloomberg Daybreak for this Wednesday, the 14th of June in London, coming up today.
2: Stop right now. Thank you very much. Fed prepares for a pause, but have rates also peaked?
1: Bailey on the back foot. The Bank of England governor laments slowly cooling inflation.
2: Pleading not guilty, Trump argues he had the right to take classified documents.
3: Cracks in Goldman Sachs and the most successful hedge fund ever bets on China. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Woolcock.
1: Plus, the top job glass ceiling. A report finds a startling lack of female CEOs in UK retail.
2: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll.
1: And I'm Caroline Hepger. Here are the stories that we're following today.
2: Cooling inflation may have sealed the Federal Reserve's move to pause its 15-month rate hiking cycle today. US price rises slowed in May with CPI coming in at 4% year-on-year while core inflation slowed to 5.3%. University of Michigan professor of economics Betsy Stevenson says the Fed's job is still not complete.
1: Bringing inflation down from 4% to 2% is the hard part and Across a lot of measures, what we're seeing is it getting really sticky. And we don't have a good reason to think that it's going to come down really easily over the next year even further.
2: Betsy Stevenson's warning comes ahead of today's FOMC decision, which will be published at 7pm London time. Fed chair Jerome Powell will then hold a press conference 30 minutes later.
1: The UK jobs market has so few available workers that employers are having to hoard labour. That is the stark assessment of Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey, who made the comments after official data showed a surprise rise in wages and a drop in unemployment. Here's what he told the Economic Affairs Committee.
3: One of the things that firms pretty much universally say to me and have been saying to me for a little while is that they find it so hard to recruit labour in the current market that they are not going to release labour. There's there's labour hoarding going on.
1: Bailey's comments come on the same day. The Bank of England's chief economist Hugh Peel said that balance is needed between fighting inflation and damaging the economy. Traders now see a 50% chance the central bank will raise rates to 6% by February.
2: Donald Trump has told supporters he had every right to keep the classified documents found at his Florida estate. The former U.S. President appeared in court in Miami where he pleaded not guilty to 37 charges related to mishandling sensitive files. Speaking to supporters after the court appearance, Trump called the prosecution a sham.
3: Threatening me with 400 years in prison for possessing my own presidential papers, which just about every other president has done, is one of the most outrageous and vicious legal theories ever put forward in an American court of law.
2: Trump is trying to turn his second indictment in 10 weeks into a fresh opportunity to garner support for a White House comeback. The former president currently leans his nearest primary challenger, Ron DeSantis, by over 30 points with Republicans.
1: Od Asset Management is shutting its Swan Fund and gating two other funds after redemption requests surge. The hedge fund made the decision as it moves to contain a crisis triggered by the publication of sexual assault allegations against its founder, Crispin Odie. Odie himself denies all the allegations against him. Od Asset Management says that it will redeem those who have invested in the Swan Fund by the 4th of September.
2: The chipmaker AMD has given a preview of an AI accelerator it believes will rival the offering from market leader NVIDIA. Bloomberg's Charlie Pallet has the story. At a presentation in San Francisco, AMD showcased its upcoming line of artificial intelligence processors aiming to help data centers handle a crush of AI traffic and challenge NVIDIA's dominance in the market. The company's Instinct MI300 series will include an accelerator that can speed processing for generative AI, the technology used by ChatGPT and other chatbots. Like much of the chip industry, AMD is racing to meet booming demand for AI computing. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Europe.
1: British retailers need to go further to improve diversity in their leadership. That's according to a new report co-authored by the British Retail Consortium, which found that women are still underrepresented at senior levels. Out of more than 200 businesses surveyed, only 13 were found to have female chairs, while less than 25% have female CEOs or CFOs. The industry is one of the largest employers in the UK and is largely led by men.
2: Those are some of our top stories on the programme this morning. Very interesting report there by the British Retail Consortium highlighting uh, that imbalance, given that the sector overall in the UK employs it, it, about half of the workforce are women, but it's just yeah. those paucity of women in leadership roles in, in top retailers. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's it's the more poorly paid roles. Um, yeah, so that diversity story is very important. But there are a couple of really fascinating reads um, on the terminal this morning. I mean, I think perhaps that diversity story goes to what Adrian Waldridge is talking about. He has a long readout on the terminal this morning. If you want a controversial issue to raise with your colleagues, I think it's, it's the question of the moment. Um, he talks about that we live in an age of goody-goody businesses, that companies wear their compassion on their sleeve, but that actually being, quote, bad can give you competitive advantage and he's not necessarily talking about bad in a kind of moral sense but he's talking um about kind of anti-woke businesses in the finance industry these 20 anti-ESG funds that focus uniquely on making money rather than any other consideration that you know may be important in wider life but just focusing on making profits um I think that is a huge debate. How much do we need to work? How much do we need to focus on making money versus all of the other issues that, you know, shareholders, investors might care about?
2: Yeah, and also employers or employees mm. rather in a question of, you know, we're talking about the tight labour market in the UK here uh, at the moment, a question of do, what sort of companies people want to work for and how much that influence their decisions about where they want to grow their career and invest and utterly, ultimately add to the value of the business mm. as well, to the part of the market as well. There are the other examples cited by Adrian Wooldridge in that piece is Michael O'Leary, the CEO of Reiner and and his often outspoken comments of calling people stupid for not printing out their boarding passes and whether that kind of feeds into a a particular vision of how he runs his business as well. Um, Another story that caught my eye as well. How much money do you need to feel rich? Well, apparently... In America, $2.2 million.
1: $2.2 million? That's is is how a much,
2: Yeah, it's p- how much people feel that they need to have to be considered wealthy. This is a mm-hmm. survey from Charles Schwab. So, interestingly, of the people who were surveyed, almost half of them said that they already feel wealthy today, even though their net worth is much less than that $2.2 million. Yeah. It's about half a million dollars. So, uh, the, there's also a generational question here. Feeling wealthy most common amongst millennials and Gen Z um, compared to Gen X or baby boomers? Uh, who are less likely to feel wealthy?
1: Really, but that's that—that's strange, isn't it? Because you would have thought baby boomers who are older, obviously, mm. have more wealth um, accumulated over time. But yeah, perhaps. Yeah,
2: is it a question of of earning potential? as much as right. uh, how much you have in your, your future pocket. future prospects yeah.
1: rather than what may be coming in your pension. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, that's a nice story to um, focus on as well uh, this morning. Let's turn our attention, though, too, to the choices that face the Federal Reserve today. Majority of economists expect the US Central Bank to pause for the first time in 15 months. And our markets reporter, Valerie Teitelis, has sat down in the studio with us for more. Does the Fed have sufficient cause for pause after yesterday's headline CPI number, which... Uh, Uh, slowed to 4%. Uh,
4: The the CPI yesterday came broadly in line. If anything, it was slightly, slightly hot in the core, but it was a bit dismissed because it was driven by used cars and that was an anomaly. We know it's going to fade. So, in some way, yesterday's print does open the door for the Fed to pause today. There were no really surprises for the Fed to be worried about. Uh, and and you can just say that the Fed has really tried to pause so many times over this hiking cycle and they might finally get away with it today. So, watch that decision. comes at 7pm London time.
2: Talk us through the market reaction that we saw to that that CPI print, and the signals that are being sent now ahead of the meeting today,
4: there was a, a relief rally in Treasuries, almost a sigh of relief that we didn't get a hot print, and there is no gonna, there's not going to be any uh, last minute change uh, in um, in signaling for what they're going to do today. So equities had a good session, ended in the solidly in the green, and then Treasuries had a very bizarre price action. They they rallied initially, yields went lower initially, and then almost an hour later, you started this one way track. Uh, sell-off the yields shooted higher uh, and many people were very befuddled on why that happened in the treasury market but essentially the, the one argument that I see that makes sense is for some reason yesterday the fixed income market woke up to the fact that higher for longer might actually be here uh, and it moved to price out almost all of the cuts uh, that we had in 2023 uh, even added some um, added some hikes later in the year it uh, It seems like a very bizarre time for the market to all of a sudden wake up and think that what the Fed's been telling us, this higher for longer message, might actually be true. But they chose yesterday afternoon to do it. And it shot uh, two-year yields and five-year yields around 12 basis points higher at one time. So it was quite a, a brutal, brutal move.
1: Yeah, What should we be watching out for then when it comes also to the dot plot and the expectations for where rates go? I mean, that's also going to play into that, isn't it? Yeah,
4: exactly. Now that we know that the the pause is almost certain, it's all going to be about the guidance they give. The big way they do that is through their dot plot, which shows where they estimate the terminal rate. Uh, by the end of this year and the end of next year, for example. But the risk here is that they do shift higher, that they want to communicate, hey, I'm pausing, but I'm still going to give a a hawkish message that we are in a tightening bias. Uh, The confusion just is going to be on how much higher are they going to shift? Because right now, the old dots, the dots we got in March, uh, show that the terminal rate is roughly where we are, that they don't need a hike anymore. So will that dot plot reflect one more hike needed or two more hikes needed? Two more hikes needed would be quite a Uh, message from the Fed. Uh, That would cause, uh, I would think, a a pretty brutal risk-off move. Um, The other thing that they could try to do is move the terminal rate for next year higher, uh, almost saying that maybe we're at sufficiently restrictive, but I'm going to stretch out the the period of time at which I want to stay restrictive. That could also be uh, another message. Um, The other risk, though, is that we know that there's been a lot of uh, debate open debate versus the hawks and the doves recently for the first time this cycle, you could actually see those dots just widen out, almost showing that very vividly that there is some debate at the FOMC about what to do next. I think the market might not like that too much, knowing that the the Fed themselves, there's some warring between the hawks and the doves. But we'll see today. The market is very excited. 7pm is the decision. 7.30 is when Powell takes the podium.
2: Okay, and we will be covering that, of course, for you on Bloomberg Radio. Valerie Teitel, our market supporter, thank you very much. Up next, most successful hedge fund ever, bets
0: on China and cracks in Goldman Sachs.
2: <laughs> now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from
3: today's papers.
1: Who makes James Wilcock joins us now with a look at what's in the newspapers. The Financial Times have an interview with Citadel's Ken Griffin. Good morning. Good morning.
3: I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Caroline? Because we've been tracking American CEOs moving back to China. This interview was done in Hong Kong. So Jamie Dimon went a few weeks ago. Elon Musk has all returned to China recently. It's part of this growing trend. Now, Ken Griffin is not just a nobody. He runs a $54 billion in asset firm. And it's arguably the most successful hedge fund ever after they raked in $16 billion in profits last year. So when he says U.S. growth and a soft landing in America is at least in part dependent upon growth in China coming back and goes one further and says our economist the in-house view for citadel is that it will do the chinese company will do better than forecast uh, and his argument is now the politburo the chinese executives at the top of the um, leadership over there now have growth firmly on the political agenda mm. and so he says he expects policy to move in tandem with that, that political priority it wasn't just a broad international interview he also talked about um, renewables now it's fascinating because you may not know about Citadel. One of their big strengths is they are good at weather reporting. And you know this is a personal interest of mine. Um, they made that $16 billion profit in part by having extremely good commodities forecasting. They hired, uh, back in, I think, the early 2010s, a 20-strong meteorological team that other hedge funds simply didn't have to predict the weather. Wow. Um, And so when he says Europe isn't ready for a cold snap, they got lucky last year, at any point it could come back and they still haven't fully adapted, it's worth paying attention.
2: (laughs) Okay, Let's go next uh, to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Goldman
3: Sachs has a partner problem, the paper says. So, It's interesting. You were talking about Adrian Wooldridge and bad companies and how things are run, goody, goody two shoes. Goldman has always had an interesting management structure, it was always run by the partners. And then what has changed recently is it, by the time the new CEO, David Solomon, you, he came in 2018, uh, came in that has moved to a more CEO style structure where you have yes. the CEO at the top managing the business. And this has come from sort of changes over time, especially the big public listing. And to give you a stake of where that comes in, if you look at, say, the equity that sort of 420 plus partners had, you had that being in 2000, they had about 62% of the bank shares. By the time Solomon took over in 2018, that was 4%. So they They have a lower and lower stake. Now, when you see um, what the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal are talking about, uh, former CEOs complaining about Solomon's DJing, in some ways that's an upset... how they are being increasingly shut out of the process, and the partners increasingly feel like some of Solomon's forays into consumer banking aren't working, and that they have less control over their own personal fiefdoms. And so, the Wall Street Journal have this fascinating long read looking at how the business, the bank, has changed over time, the corporate government is changing over time, and how partners upset with that is culminating in kind of all these kind of pot shots coming out at the CEO.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, then just lastly, the Times tracking a growing uproar over. Libel. So
3: we covered this story a few weeks back. It's all about Andy Verity's book that's being serialised in The Times called Rigged, which talks about how he argues at the time the Bank of England senior government figures were allegedly putting pressure on the bankers who were rigging the interbank rates because the argument was if the Interbank rate stayed high, it looked like government intervention wasn't working. Now, the Times latest one, is Lord Tyree, who led the inquiry into this at the time, has written to the Times saying, we need to look again at this, uh, saying that he expressed conter- concerns the Treasury Select Committee was misled Ooh. when it investigated the manipulation of interest rates back in 2012. Not just him, this letter was co-signed by David Davis, former Brexit secretary, and John McDonnell, the former Labour shadow chancellor. So that's a bipartisan, to use the American term, uh, agreement over that. Um, Now, whether that will be rape is an open question, but it certainly is interesting that Verity's reporting is now being backed by people who are leading the inquiry at the time. (laughs)
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
4: The
0: countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th,